We made it. Start of the season for your Vancouver Canucks. We are here. Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. All that time, we are here now. Finally. You'll see Patterson, you'll see Hughes, you'll see JT Miller and Thatcher Demko all take the ice this evening in a real NHL regular season game. We have finally made it no longer the offseason for your Vancouver Canucks and for your fandom. Uh, we, we embrace all of it. Uh, the chaos for the next 82 games all the way to April 18th and... Hopefully beyond. Uh, we'll get some predictions later on in the show. What could happen for the Canucks season. I'll get into it all. Fill in the blank on a Wednesday edition. Canucks Central, by the way, over at Park today. So you can go check them out. Uh, if you're hanging around downtown, want to go see the game, uh, go say hi to Dan and Sat. They'll be setting up uh, in about an hour's time over at Park. Also, I'm just curious. Text us 650-650. I'm not trying to implement any sort of negativity on this oh show. Oh, boy. I'm not. He started off. No, this is completely different. Okay. 650-650, uh, if you're going to the game, are you going to boo Garland? Because it's been a weird Ooh. topic of conversation all day, and I don't know why you would. Uh, okay, well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, we got we got a lot to fit in today. Fill in the blank, uh, as we mentioned. But we'll we'll do some Canucks prediction stuff in the second half of the show. But it is Wednesday, and on Wednesdays we chat to our good friend Danny Kelly for our fantasy football update. Brought to you by the Clayton Public House pregame to postgame. The Clayton Public House, your home of football. Catch all the action on fifteen screens, two giant projectors. The Clayton Pub. Dot com. Let's uh, welcome in our good friend from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. You can email them at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. DK, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm pumped up. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you in a while, and yeah. uh, I've been waiting uh, multiple days here to, to ask you about who is Amari Demarcado? <laughs> well, uh, we're going to find out, I think. he's um, <laughs> What I do know of him is he was uh, – Backup running back, or, or 1B, I guess, running back at TCU last year. P played behind Kendra Miller, who is now with the Saints. Um, so, you know, he was an undrafted free agent. We don't know a whole lot about him. But he's now being thrust into a probably a pretty big role here with the Cardinals because of James Conner going down with a knee injury. And so I think that, you know, the Cardinals will probably use a little bit of rotation with Keontae Ingram if he can get back on the field. Um, you know, they have a couple other guys. And I don't have like super high hopes for him necessarily, but I think right now, you know, if, if you're looking for injury fill-ins and right now injuries are an issue, he would be near the top of my list. That That's why we love having you here, man. Back yeah. up in TCU, and it's like we are hitting the ground running immediately <laughs> right. with Amari DiMarcado. All right. Uh, okay, so what uh, – you know, we're through five weeks here, and we haven't had a chance to talk to you for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like what's settling in for you as far as like this fantasy season? Because every season takes its own shape, its own form. Right, right. Uh, and, and as we have to try to pivot of what the reality is for this season, uh, what's kind of settling in for you? That's a good question. I think so. A couple of like themes come to mind for me so far with this season that, you know, if you use this strategy, you're probably doing pretty well. The first one that comes to mind is zero RB. That's that is in reference to the strategy of drafting where you basically punt on the the running back position, take a bunch of really high-end receivers, high-end tight ends, 
and quarterbacks early on in your draft and then sort of just try and figure things out later with running back, whether that means through trades or through the waiver wire. And right now, you know, if you look at the running back rankings, it's you got Raheem Mostert, number two, Devon Aitchie, number three. Obviously, he's injured now, but uh, he'll be back. And then Kyron Williams, number five, Zach Boss, number six. Um, you know, there's just a lot of guys that you could have gotten late in draft. Brian Robinson is in the top 12. Isaiah Pacheco's in there. So there's just a lot of guys you could have gotten quite a bit later in drafts. If you waited and did that type of strategy, you're probably doing pretty well right now in your league. And so I think that's one sort of big picture theme that's emerging. Obviously, injuries have been a big issue this year overall. Um, the other thing I would mention is just that, like, we talked about over the summer, we talked about how late round quarterback is kind of dead. Like the idea of just waiting really late to take a quarterback because the opportunity costs too high early on. I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. I think obviously if you went out and got Jalen Hurts early, it's not like you're hurting. You know, Josh Allen is obviously doing really well. He's a QB2 mm-hmm. right now. But guys like Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, Tua, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Anthony Richardson, like these are all guys in the top 12 for running uh, for quarterback scoring right now per game. And so if you waited on quarterback, and you took that strategy, you're probably doing pretty well, too. And so, you know, the, I, I think generally speaking, the the late round quarterback strategy, which we thought was kind of dead, is not actually dead. So, you know, that's, that's kind of is, is an example of how we always get things wrong in fantasy pretty much every year. Now, you mentioned the, the, the zero RB thing. Does that mean it's translated that the wide receivers are like staying true to their value? I think more certainly more than the running back position. We've seen a lot of injuries at running back this year. Um, that being said, I mean, there are some pretty massively surprising guys mm-hmm. in the receiver group too, like Puka Nakua. Um, I don't think anybody saw that coming. You know, DJ Moore right now is the wide receiver three, which was – it's obviously people have always liked DJ Moore's talent, but like this situation was not perceived as very good for him, and he's been absolutely balling out. But, I mean, if you look at the top 12 for the receiver position right now, it's like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Devontae right. Adams. These are all like superstar receivers. If you took these guys high in your draft, you know, you're – probably doing okay in your league obviously injuries with justin jefferson going down is is definitely going to hurt things but um you know generally speaking i think the receivers have uh you know they've played out to their adp a little bit more than the running back group which is all over the place all right well let's talk about some things that we saw in week five and, and project what it means moving forward here i was really impressed with the detroit lions to do the type of game that they had with amon ross st brown because he's such a central figure in that offense and you know offensively david montgomery kind of takes the the, the, the shield there and, right. and they, they kind of carry on. But that offense moving forward, like in you know, Jameson Williams come back, Sam Laporta just seems to, to just touch everything that turns into gold. Um, so are, are you just trying to pick up as many shares of that offense? Yeah. I mean, it, this is, I think uh, this is another strategy that I want to try and remember next year is like, just try and get a piece of the best offenses. We see that with like the dolphins. If you have any of the dolphins right now, you're probably mm-hmm. happy. Um, and I think, you know, the, the Lions offense is really good. I think the one thing that's a little bit of a bummer is they really do spread the ball around a lot. Like Josh Reynolds is getting his touches. Khalif Raymond is getting touches. Obviously, we've got Montgomery and Gibbs in the backfield, plus Laporta, who is like a top three tight end right now, plus Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams is coming back. So there's just a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. But at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, you just want to get a, you want to get pieces of the offenses that are going to, number one, run a lot of plays, and number two, score a lot of points. And so it just gives you a bigger piece of the pie to work with. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get as many pieces of this Lions offense. I mean, even Josh Reynolds has been really useful if you have him as a flex option this year. I mean, he's been like a top 20 receiver on the season. So 
Um, you know, and Laporta to me is is one of the big shocks or, or big surprises of the, of the early part of this season here. He's just been absolutely awesome. Um, if you grabbed him late in drafts, you're probably doing pretty well. And so, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's just kind of like identifying the offenses that you think are going to be good and then avoiding the ones that are going to be bad. Like New England, my God, I wish I hadn't ever drafted any New England players because their offense is so terrible. Like even Ramadre Stevenson looks bad. Um, you know, there's just offenses you really try to avoid. Tennessee is another one. It's just I wish I'd never had picked any of these guys. But, um, you know, that's live and learn, and that's like a lesson to apply next year. Uh, what's going on uh, and, and what solace can you provide for Chris Olave owners right now? Yeah. Um, that, that, that offense, I, I don't have like a, a good word for what that offense looks like because there, there's obvious weapons there. It's not as if the offensive line yep. is dreadful. Uh, what's happening in New Orleans for you? I mean, is it just as simple as the, as the idea that Derek Carr is not very good? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, look, I, that's kind of where I land. I, I thought so when he was in Las Vegas and Oakland. Yeah. I was like, I don't get it. And then he, he leaves and you're like, look, th- that organization's never been set up for success. Maybe no. he looks better in, in a team that's more functional, and it's it hasn't translated at all. I mean, it, yeah, if you look at throughout his career, he's always kind of been the same guy. It's, you know, like wh- whatever situation it is, it's, he's always the same guy, I think. This year in particular, like if you're banking on him for huge fantasy numbers like that, he just hasn't really in particular his quarterback scoring. He's never been that good. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they the Saints do have multiple weapons here that he needs to feed. And I don't know, like if he had just like a one guy like Devontae Adams last year, you know, you, you can facilitate a really good season for him. But when you got Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid. Uh, now Alvin Kamara is back. you got multiple guys to kind of feed in this offense. And, the, and the result has been they're kind of spreading the ball around and nobody's really emerging as like an elite fantasy person or player. Um, I think that's kind of what's going on here. And I just think overall the hype just got a little bit too out of control with the Saints probably. And, and obviously Chris Olave is going to be a good player. He's, he's going to be an awesome pro. Um, but right now the ceiling doesn't feel that high just because this offense is sort of capped and, and they're spreading the ball around so much. And so um, – he was a guy that I pretty much avoided for the most part. So I think it was just my lack of faith in Derek Carr being a big upgrade over Andy Dalton, who is a backup, by the way. Um, I think that was kind of the main reason I, I avoided the team for the most part, other than like Alvin Kamara. Um, but but yeah, it's not, it's not playing out well. I do think they could improve as the year goes on. But right now it's just he doesn't look like a, a huge difference maker in terms of uh, what he brings to the table. And I'm talking about Derek Carr. Uh, I've, let, let's stay in that division to our favorite team, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I actually found uh, <laughs> yeah. a nice hack. I started Kyle Pitts in one league, and I started Janu Smith in another. There you and go. I was like, hey, I'm fine, whatever happens. And they both <laughs> did well. I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> like This team is confounding every week, but yeah. uh, is there signs of hope for uh, Kyle Pitts owners? Yes, I think so. I, you know, obviously that was the the least confident yes I've ever heard in my life. Well, I mean, come on, we've we've <laughs> been living this uh, waking nightmare for a couple of years now with with Kyle Pitts and just generally his consistency and like the way that his team uses uses him and how much he plays and all that stuff. And now, of course, he's got Johnny Smith to contend with. The good news is like there's such a you know run heavy smash mouth type team where they're using a lot of heavy formations. They're using a lot of two and three tight end sets. Um, that it's not like necessarily a huge indictment that Johnny Smith is getting a lot of these targets because Johnny Smith, by the way, is outscoring Kyle Pitts this year, which is just, you know, hilarious and, and classic uh, Falcons and classic Arthur Smith. But um, 
you know, it is great to see Kyle Pitts get 11 targets. I think the other thing to keep in mind here, and this is something that you can see on tape, is like Kyle Pitts just doesn't look like himself. And this is something that I think there was a lot of whispers about over the offseason. Uh, this is something I think that a lot of people probably ignored a little bit too much when we were ranking him. But he is coming off of a pretty major knee injury. I think it's kind of flown under the radar how serious this knee injury was. And I don't know if we've really gotten the full you know, details on what exactly happened because it's been almost a full year now and he's still kind of working back from this knee injury. So I, my, my guess is basically his knee injury was more serious than people let on or that, that was really made public. You know, he was not practicing several weeks or months into training camp. You know, there was all these signs and we kind of just ignored him. He doesn't look as explosive as I think he normally would. So he, here's the good news with all that. And what I'm building to is as the season goes on, hopefully his knee is getting healthier and stronger and he's getting more you know, confident in how he can cut and, and how he can plant and all that stuff um, that comes with coming back from a major knee injury. And so hopefully the, the thought here is that he's starting to hit his stride and get healthy, and that's going to make a big difference in his production. So that's what I would pin my hopes to, not necessarily like Arthur Smith wising up and realizing he has a great tight end that he can throw to. It's more just he's getting healthy. And this offense, by the way, is not or, or the team, I think, overall is not as good as I think they thought they were, and they're going to have to be playing from behind a little bit more, which means more passing. And so those are all kind of environments that you look for for you know Kyle Pitts. If they're winning a lot of these games, they're just going to run a lot. So you want them to be losing is the idea. Chatting with Danny Kelly on a Wednesday as we do uh, our fantasy football update. Uh, all right, you, you mentioned the uh, Devin Achan injury. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, Raheem Mostert uh, – having so much success but what to monitor in the rest of that backfield because obviously the, yeah. the, the, they can sustain two running backs uh is it jeff wilson time is it uh chris brooks and i, I know i'm forgetting the name here i think savon Ahmed yep, as well Ahmed. so um, what are we monitoring with the rest of that backfield well that's a great question Vic. i wish that you knew the answer <laughs> to that so you could tell me um because during the preseason so this is like classic coaching stuff you know what i mean this is like what drives fantasy uh players and fantasy analysts crazy is like Coming into the season, Devon A-Chain was legitimately like fifth on the depth chart. He was a healthy scratch in week one. And then we, of course, have seen what he's done in the in the four weeks since. He's been one of the best and most explosive running backs in the NFL. Like his efficiency stats are truly off the charts. He's been incredible. And the fact that he was the fifth string running back through most of training camp and the preseason and then week one is just like, what are these coaches doing? I, I just truly could never understand what coaches are doing. So that that rant aside hey I we'll get to the segment of like this team needs to use a problem <laughs> it's like jesus just use your best players i don't know i don't understand this but um yeah so so that what that's leading to for me is i don't really know how this rotation is going to go i think you know early on in the season Ahmed was kind of the backup behind raheem mostert um but it was of course a factor that in a variable that jeff wilson was on the injury reserve so i think probably right now if i had to bet raheem mostert is the one he's going to get the vast majority of the work which is what we saw in week one and then we're going to have either Jeff Wilson or Savon Ahmed come in and be like the backup 1B. And it, um, I, I would lean Jeff Wilson. He would be my priority pickup um, just because Savon Ahmed was a healthy scratch last week or he didn't even get into the game. And then Chris Brooks is just sort of a – he's a complete unknown at this point. I think the team is high on him and there's some excitement there. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily bank on him having a role right now just with Ahmed and, and Jeff Wilson being veterans and having a little more experience. And that's just how coaches kind of usually – you know, roll with these types of situations. But like, to me, the big deal is like, this is huge for Raheem Mostert, mm -hmm. um, you know, over the next month, I think he's going to get his opportunity to really go off. And if he gets hurt, then I think Jeff Wilson's probably the next man up. Uh, what do you make of the, the non Travis Kelsey pass catchers in Kansas city? Um, 
it, it's just yeah. like it's an obviously good offense, and and they can move the ball obviously with Mahomes and Reed. But are we going to see one person emerge, or is this just you're you're, yeah. you're you're putting guys in flex positions and just hoping it's it's the week where she Rice catches a touchdown? Tony actually, what was it, five catches this past weekend for yeah. Yeah. for like no yards? Um, do you make of anything of the wide receivers there? I mean, the, the problem is, Bick, that they are just rotating these guys. It's like they haven't figured out exactly what they think of these guys yet. And so, um, you know, for me, I think we've seen enough from Sky Moore and Marcus Aldis-Scantling and Justin Watson over the years. Um, Sky Moore is obviously in the second year, but he has not done anything. So I would not be confident in starting any of those three guys at all. Um, and so to me, the better move here is to stash, pick up and stash either Tony or Rasheed Rice, who has been probably the most impressive of the group. This is a second-round rookie, um, and obviously he's not playing enough, I think, to be confident starting. I think he actually played like only 20-something percent of the snaps last week, even though he got a touchdown and was you know, the rest, their highest-scoring receiver in that game. Um, he's only playing. He's, he's rotating in, so he's only playing like a quarter to a third of the snaps, and so that is not the type of player you want to plug into your lineup until he's playing at least like 50, 60, 70 percent of the snaps. Um, which, again, might not ever come. Maybe this is just going to be a rotation the whole season. But to me, Tony and Rasheed Rice are the guys to target in this passing game because, to me, they have the most talent, and they flash the most. And if their snaps start to go up, that's when I think their their volume and, and reliability will really improve. So right now, they're more, to me, of just bench stash type guys. I wouldn't probably plug them in the lineup until I see them, unless you're really desperate, until I see them you know, run, like running more routes and just playing more. Um, but to me, again, those are the guys that I would be the most excited about stashing. Uh, some injury news uh, coming out uh, today. Uh, we, we've been kind of anticipating Justin Jefferson uh, being out, but what does it mean for Kirk Cousins' owners and uh, just, just on, on hold that, that Vikings offense? I mean, potentially this is a pivot point for the Vikings. You know what I mean? Like this is a massive right. inflection point potentially for this for this team, for this franchise, because um, the Vikings are 1-4. and four. You know, they're clearly not a – big contender in the NFC right now. Maybe they view themselves as that, but I don't think they do. And so there is a potential here where things can really shift. And and what I'm alluding to is maybe the team decides to trade Kirk Cousins at some point down the line. Maybe Kirk Cousins ends up being a Jet or some team has an injury at, at, at quarterback and tries to make a move or whatever. Justin Jefferson, there's already whispers that he's going to take his time coming back and not really push it because he's looking for a long-term deal or whatever. And so... Um, yeah, th this is a potentially massive implications. What we do know for sure is that he's out for four weeks. And so I think this is a big opportunity for Jordan Addison. I think KJ Osborne is a guy that you probably want to pick up on waivers because he's going to be playing a lot. Um, I don't think he's necessarily an outstanding player, but he will get the opportunity to get some volume in this offense. And, I, and again, this is a team that's going to be probably playing from behind a lot, passing a lot. So this is a potential big opportunity for those two guys. So Jordan Addison, if you have him, that's really good for you probably right now just because he's going to get more opportunities. TJ Hawkinson, of course, is going to get a boost. And then KJ Osborne um, will be another guy. I wouldn't necessarily count Kirk Cousins out at this point. He's probably just going to be less efficient because he doesn't have one of the best receivers in the NFL to throw to anymore. Uh, really quickly here, um, Jonathan Taylor going back in uh, Indy uh, gets that yeah. big contract as well. Uh, muddies it or, or Zach Moss still get usage? I think – this is another situation that I it's hard to read because obviously they just gave the Colts just gave Jonathan Taylor a massive contract, you know, for a running back position, certainly. Um, and then a day after doing that, they played him like 20 percent of the snaps and Zach Moss had a career game. So, 
you know, obviously this is what's frustrating about playing fantasy is you can't always predict exactly what the NFL coaches are going to do. I would guess my best guess right now is it's going to be rotation because I think Zach Moss has shown that he is good enough to, you know, be a, be leaned on as a big part of this offense. I think obviously Jonathan Taylor, as we get along in the season is probably going to end up being the one a, he's going to get probably 60% of the snaps, 60% of the carries. Um, but if I was going to guess they, I think Zach Moss is still startable as a flex type option just because, I mean, why would the, why would the Colts need to give Jonathan Taylor all these snaps and like 80, 90% of the snaps when, you know, they're paying him for the long term. They probably want him to try and stay healthy and fresh. It would just make sense logically that they would kind of rotate these two guys, especially with how well, Zach Moss has been playing. So to me, don't don't release Zach Moss. Don't let Zach Moss go yet, clearly, because um, I think he's going to have a role going forward. I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor is probably not going to have as big of a ceiling as everybody wants either. Uh, all right, DK, it's our favorite uh, part. Um, and, and we've been uh, hot on this, right? We, we were mad at the Chicago Bears, and Justin Fields <laughs> suddenly looks okay. We yep. were mad at the Falcons, and, and maybe they're turning a corner yep. with Kyle Pitts. Uh, well, what coaches just need to use their players properly? Ooh, Good question. This is like my favorite thing to do. So I'm going to look around the league. Here's one. I got one for you. Okay. Denver Broncos. <laughs> Did we already talk about Marvin Mims? We we bring, yeah, we, we it was it was part of our first one I think with <laughs> Justin Fields. Okay, so I'm just going to say play Marvin Mims more. I'm going to keep that one simple and easy and and clean. We don't need to really get too deep into it. Play Marvin Mims more. Um that would be great. And then here's another one I'm going to throw at you because it just makes no sense to me. The Las, Las Vegas Raiders. They drafted a extremely highly touted, highly hyped up guy in Michael Mayer in the second round, and they're rotating him almost evenly over the first couple of games with Austin Hooper. Like, is Austin Hooper a difference maker in the NFL? Absolutely not. Get Michael Mayer like 70, 80, 90% of the snaps. I don't understand why they're not incorporating him into their offense. He'd probably be a good you know, option to help out with Jimmy G. Jimmy G leads the NFL in interceptions this year. Like, come on, get your talented rookie players more involved. We've seen what the what the Lions have gotten um, from Sam Laporta. I think Michael Mayer is a guy that is being woefully underutilized this season. And it's like the the, the Raiders just I don't know. It, to me, again, it's just the teams are so stubborn about like playing their their worst players. I, I truly don't understand. We saw a little bit of yeah, I think Mayer flashed certainly in this last game, and I think we need to get him more snaps. So that's a guy that I've got kind of like on my radar. It's like man. Get him more snaps. Get him more looks. I think he can be a dis- difference maker for you guys. So Michael Mayer for the Raiders. The Mayer one is so funny too because you know usually we say hey, like rookie tight ends it, it it takes a little while for them to get going. And yeah. I look around like Sam Laporta's got eighty percent snap uh, snap share. Uh, right. Luke Musgrave I know has been on the field a yep. ton when he's been healthy. Yep. Uh, Dalton Kincaid is it's, it's like these guys are on the field. It's it, yeah. it's it's okay to use them. Also, for a team that's like struggling to pass the ball and struggling with turnovers, it's like get your guy another player that can like pick up yards after the catch. This is what Michael Mayer is so good at. He's just a big physical, uh, you know, he has the strongest hands of any tight end I've ever seen, like truly. He's such a sure-handed, big, versatile target. I don't, I just truly can't understand why you wouldn't try and make him a bigger part of the passing game. So to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. Uh, DK, I, I look forward to our next week of uh, hand wringing at coaches. Uh, the, like, see, hopefully, this works. I'm, yes, I'm liking this. Bullying, it, bullying works, baby. Yeah, we, we, we are on a streak here, so <laughs> I will see if Marvin Mims and Michael Mayer start to emerge here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Hey, man, we always appreciate it. Of course, it's a good friend, Danny Kelly from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast, part of our Fantasy Football Update. 
that we do here on Wednesdays on the People Show. Brought to you by the Clayton Public House, pregame to postgame. Clayton Public House, your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors, the Clayton Pub. Dot com. We're kind of running out of time, but a, a point of discussion here in the 650 offices is uh, Dom's... Uh, we can push it long. Dom's uh, shady fantasy dealings. To be clear, this is not in the 650 league. This is in a yeah. league that uh, Canberra, uh, our yeah. fairly slater and I are in. But, but, uh, but, for but money. We, we need your ruling. The, the people need to rule on this. Yes, please. Uh, so, so please explain, Dom. Uh, Cole's notes of what happened... Uh, I did some shady stuff. I <laughs> negotiated a deal. Uh, Can we just applaud Dom for immediately coming out guilty? Yeah, like, of course. Well played. I mean, I know what I'm, I've done. Yeah. Uh, I shadily negotiated between uh, Cam Bart, Canberra and a third party uh, to get the price down on both Saquon Barkley and yeah. uh, and is it Brian Robinson? Brian yeah. Robinson. Um, so I told the third party, as nameless, remain nameless. Nameless, yep, nameless. Uh, Deal. We have a deal. It's Brian Robinson, uh, Chris Godwin. The whole like they were you both give packaged. a thumbs up. I gave a thumbs up. Yeah. It was a package of picks and players, and then I went to Cam after I gave a thumbs up and said deal to the third party, and I said, Cam, this is what I have. I'm ready to pull the trigger on this trade. Can you do better for Saquon? And after much deliberation, I got the price down on Saquon to like Marvin Mims and two picks. I was like, all right, I'll do the. I, I would like the Saquon trade, but I'm going to go back to the third party and I'm going to see if I can swindle him into doing just Brian so Robinson. You now at this count agreed to two different trades. No, no, no. I, I have not agreed to the trade with Cam yet. Oh, he okay. is still deliberating at that point. Yeah. I go back to the third party and I say, listen, I don't want the Godwin trade that we agreed upon. I just want Robinson. He proceeded to be upset. Understandably so. Raging line of epitaphs. Uh, and outed me in the in the fantasy group chat. Great. Because I swindled him. Uh, in the meantime, Cam accepted the trade for Saquon. So the picks and the player, out the door. Obviously, this escalates in the group chat. Yeah. The council gets involved. You've been reprimanded. Yeah. Here is the punishment for my uh, wrongdoing of swindling the third party uh, out of a trade for Chris Godwin, Brian Robinson, and... and Everything. This is where we need you, the people, the jury, chiming in. Your, your yes. peers are going to judge you now, Dom. Please do. 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, this is how I've been reprimanded by the council of my fantasy league, and I need to know if you think it is too harsh or not harsh enough. Uh, the trade between myself and Barra was revised, so Saquon off my team. Uh, I will not be allowed to trade for seven days. The whole week I'm banned from trading. I love this. Uh, and I will get a strike, two strikes, there's a financial penalty. Let's go. Uh, so I'm now facing the commissioner of the league, who's yeah. part of the council, and I am running backless. So I essentially also get an L uh, this week. Is, is the penalty too stiff? Your, your trade has been rescinded, and you've been banned from trading for seven days. Yeah. Is that penalty too stiff, 650, 650? Uh, I, I, I just think it's it's super shady. You, uh, I, I super wouldn't trade with you at all. That's fine. Somehow, uh, Chef um, Swagger just texted in Dominic Shade Maddie. <laughs> I should change that uh, my fantasy team name to that. That's a perfect punishment. Uh, also coming in, and also too funny uh, with the clap emojis as well, and uh, also some. It's game day. Forget fantasy. I clean up the language a little bit on that. That's fine. 
We're just trying to have some fun here. We're about to go to break. Uh, some people said, hey, you did nothing wrong. A trade isn't a trade until it's accepted on a platform. Thank you. I, I, I think if you have a agreement amongst people and, and there's consent and, and a thumbs up emoji sent, it's over at that stage. I'm okay rescinding the trade with Barra. Yeah. But banning me from filling out my roster with another trade is I, I, I think one or the other. One or the other. Stiff. Either rescind the trade and, and ban you for seven days or uh, keep the trade. And, or sorry, either rescind the trade and yeah. let you trade or keep the trade and, and ban you. And I, I would ban you for longer. I would have taken that. Okay, uh, that's true and fair. And as far as your punishment for the fantasy league goes, uh, that's BS. It's exactly what GMs in real sports do. Opinionated debate. Opinionated debate. Keep coming with your thoughts. 650, 650. Uh, we'll get to fill in the blanks, obviously. Uh, Canucks talk the rest of the way leading into Canucks Central and the game day as well. All coming up here on The People Show.